All right. Hi, everybody. Um, this is On Purpose. I am Dr. John Duffy, and with me is Chicago Tribune columnist Heidi Stevens. Um, Heidi, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, John? I'm pretty good. That, yeah. That's about the best we could possibly say at this point, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> are, we, are we lying a little? Well, sure. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Given well, the lying. hellscape. Uh, right, right. I mean, there's like, how am I personally doing? And then yeah. like, how is my psyche doing about the state of the world? I guess yeah. there's two different answers there, right? But like personally, you know, I don't have COVID. Um, I, you know, don't own a business that was destroyed. I'm not a black person who's fearing for my life when I leave my front door. So, you know. Um, yes, yeah, I'll uh, jump on board all three of those as well. And um, yeah, I guess that there's a lot to be grateful for there and maybe a mandate somewhere in there as well. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, you know, I know every uh, the last few months of your world have been filled with, um, you know, offering your services to clients, but also fielding a ton of media calls about like living through this moment in history, um, mostly pandemic wise. But I'm curious, have the have the calls from, um, you know, various publications or radio stations or t morning shows or whatever, have have the questions shifted to race or are people still uh, just focused on coronavirus when they're asking it's, for your it's, it's expertise? Such a good such a good question. So yes, they they have, but it's so interesting. When people were asking about, and I'm kind of curious, you you in your media experience, you know, in the TV and radio stuff you've been doing, whether you've run into the same. In talking about the coronavirus, it was it, it's been brutal to talk about. It's really a difficult subject. But I find that people are pretty comfortable asking questions about it. They know what to ask. It's pretty the, the mandate for the interview is pretty clear. It's kind of like, you know, OK, well, psychologically, what's going on and houses and with families, given this massive un, unpredicted stressor. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I notice when <laughs> and I'm only laughing because I'm just realizing how very true this is right now when the discussion turns to race, and sometimes it happens in the same conversation, I can feel everyone, myself included, I will throw myself uh, on the heap here, I, the interviewer, myself, tense up a little bit. Like, mm. you know, okay, what, um, what do we have the right to say? What should we say? Should we, mm. be, um, should we be opinionated about this? Should we just talk mm -hmm. about the phenomenon, you know, from a distance? Uh, or just, you know, what's the psychology of the of a protest or, uh, you know, mm. what, uh, instead of talking really about like going to the heart of, you know, like the racial disparity problem in the country, which I think people have very little idea how to really talk about. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. And so. Yeah, maybe maybe we can talk about that for a minute, because I I um, I honestly find myself a little frustrated by that because I feel like, wow, we should talk about that. You know, even, even as, mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes I'm talking to white interviewers and, you know, and, and I think there's a little bit of like, mm, this isn't our moment. 
and mm-hmm. we should probably be quiet. And um, and every fiber of my being is kind of like, ooh, come on, let's uh, maybe we should probably talk about it, even if we mess it up, even if we screw it up, even if we're not sure we're saying the right thing. Why don't we just dive into the pool here and you know and and be supportive? I think that's right. I, I mean, that's also what my gut tells me. And it's interesting. I was talking to a friend last night whose company is for the first time um, declaring Juneteenth a company holiday. And so they're off on Friday and they have a corporate message that they want to release to let people know that they're doing this. And if they release it as is, it's all white people <laughs> talking <laughs> about <Right>. this <laughs> historic decision they've made. And like, that's embarrassing and wrong and they should not have a board of only white people. And yet they do. So do they like shut up about the fact that they're doing this or do they, that, that they're doing this? I mean, that they're giving the, you know, employees, Friday off, um, and that they're, you know, however tardily, um, but they are recognizing Juneteenth as holiday. Um, Finally, because they know what it is, right? I mean, right, exactly, yeah. Just kind of learning, like, oh yes, there was this massacre. Right, um, right, right. Oh, slavery. Yeah, that's, that's forget about that. Um, yeah, see, we're all white. Look at the video. Um, or, or do you put it out there and then like um, prepare for the inevitable and um, and and deserved um, blowback about the fact that your board's all white um, or your executives are all white or you know name the organization and fill in the blank, right? Is it like your, your masthead in the case of a newspaper? Ours is all white. Um, right. And, and own up to like, have, have that conversation or do you dodge that conversation by not even entering the dialogue where I tend to fall is like, go ahead and say the thing and release the thing and like warts and all, you know, as white, lily white as you are, say the thing and then prepare for the blowback and know that you kind of deserve it. And like, I, I think white people often are just so worried about our feelings being hurt. And it's, that's about all we have at stake here. I mean, it's like, you know, you have people, um, you know, you have our African-American, you know, brothers and sisters being killed by police officers in their own homes, you know, if you look at Brianna Taylor and Botham Jean and Tatiana Jefferson and like these, you know, just egregious cases over and over, George Floyd and now, you know, the Ray Shard in Atlanta and like the, you know, we're talking about, you know, death and right, the end of innocent life and on one side and then on the other side you have white people being like well i don't but what if it makes me look bad like what if i right. what if i'm embarrassed what if it what if my feelings are hurt what if my ego is bruised and it's like i think we need to like go ahead and do the thing that is hard or embarrassing or might come out wrong and then deal with a little bit of blowback if we get it and then keep going like i think it's important to go like okay yeah that came out wrong i'm sorry let me try it again a second time better. Or yeah, we put out this video this Juneteenth and it was 
our board was all white or our, you know, masthead was all white or our, you know, executives were all white. Next year's video is going to look different. And here's why. Like, I, I, you know, I just think you can't um, wait until you've got the perfect thing to say and it, it comes from the perfectly diverse board saying it to start entering these conversations. I think you just have to be willing to get in there and know that like what you are risking is, you know, like being called clueless or, you know, some name. Um, And what you're entering this fight for is on behalf of people who are being needlessly slaughtered, right? So like the stakes are not the same. Your stakes are lower and you've got, and when I say you, I'm including me, we've got (laughs) an obligation, I would argue, to like get in there and and do the work, Um, even if it, you know, feels a little like, um, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to know whether you're performing allyship or whether you're coming across as clueless or it's hard to know those things. But I think that can't be the reason that we shut up and like just start talking about, you know, like gardening or something. I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a garden, but, <laughs> but <laughs> it's kind of a white person thing to talk about. Right? The, theoretically, right. I think I think you've got the right idea there. I have no garden either. I don't think okay. I'll have to look. <laughs> Which is also probably a white person thing. <laughs> right to not know. Not being certain whether I have a garden or not is probably. <laughs> oh, <that's hilarious. laughs> As as you're talking about this, so I'm I, just to give you a really natural reaction to, and I, I'm just being uh, as honest as I can. I find as you're as the story went on, I find myself kind of getting this pit in my stomach, thinking like feeling a little bit hopeless about all this. If I'm being honest, because okay. I'm thinking, ooh, yeah, you know, between a corporate board and PR and um, white people who we, we seem to be getting embarrassed or mortified or super defensive very easily around this. Yep. And I get this kind of feeling like um, I'm afraid we're going to kind of hold our breath and put up our black squares on, you know, on Instagram and, you know, and wait for the moment to pass, mm-hmm. you know, like, like we've done so many times before, every mm-hmm. time before. Yep. And, um, and, you know, um, you, you so, I, I think you and I are both in this camp where we have, you start this with some hope, like, okay, you know, we hope these people haven't died in vain, haven't suffered forever in vain. And that something, not just police, but systems overall can kind of heed this call and recognize like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we should be using black talent and we should be, you know, um, making sure that black people have the same opportunities in every way as white people and that the police are allies and advocates as much as we are. And, um, and yet, you know, understanding a little bit of how, you know, systems and institutions tend to gravitate to the mean over time You just Mm -hmm. think, wow, it requires a a really big moment for something to really change. This feels like it ought to be a really big moment. And yet 
just the fact that that there's this question about like, and I can picture the board. I understand the dilemma. You know, like, yep. mm, yeah, the the optics here, man. You know, like this is this is our livelihood. This is our company. And you know, do we really want to make a statement as an all white board, or do we just kind of punt on this, or do we make a statement and not put a photo up? You know, like, yeah. And all all of this, all all of this um, caution, I fear is the problem or is at least part of it, right? You know, instead of like, um, because it lacks the boldness of the movement itself. Like, you know, um, I, I, I know that I think you and June went and saw, um, medical professionals who, um, yeah. took their, their White coats nine and a half. Lives. So amazing. Yeah. Right. It had, yeah, that had to be something to, to witness. And, uh, yeah. and I've been to, um, a couple of different protests and they've been, um, lovely and moving. Um, and you, when you're in the midst of it, you feel like I I'm, I'm in the sea of change here. Like something is absolutely changing dramatically. And, um, and black people and white people are talking and working things out in real time while we're marching. And this is a beautiful thing. And here comes the moment. Here we are, we're in it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Now a week or two has passed and I feel like, is the gas running out of this thing? Like, are we now back to like, okay, so what makes sense here? Like, what are we willing to do and what should we step back from instead of like, you know, I feel like for change to happen here, you kind of have to be all in and be willing to really make pretty egregious mistakes and get egg on your face a few times, especially for us, for white people, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, And I don't know how willing we are to do that, you know, as a whole. I really don't. I totally agree. And then I think young people are a whole different story. Mm, And I think that if it were up to people our age, um, it probably would, um, you know, the the white people anyway are in our age group would just sort of... Um, you know, the majority with, of course, wonderful exceptions for people who are activists and hugely, you know, energetic Mm -hmm. and powerful in this movement. But I think it could, you know, kind of quietly drift away and then it would be, we'd start talking about gardening again. (laughs) um, First we'd figure out- As as we tend to do. And then we'd talk about them. But I don't get that sense from young people. And I mean, like as young as like middle schoolers and then, of course, up to high school and and post high school age kids, um, I think are have a very different energy level and urgency about this. And 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 I'm usually careful to couch that my own couch, my own optimism and couch the way I talk about it with the knowledge that I live in a city and my kids have a super diverse group of friends because they've always been in Chicago public schools where white kids are just the, they're just the minority, you know? Um, And so maybe my view is not an accurate one because I'm basing it on what our friend groups and sports teams and, you know, graduating classes look like. But I will say, and when I'm talking to my friends who live in places like, you know, Wilmette or Naperville or, you know, s- suburbs where that, you know, it's not necessarily as, you know, um, 
liberal in terms of voting yep. right records or 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 necessarily as diverse on a specific block or whatever. Um, the way they're kids are talking to them about this is like don't say all lives matter to a 14 year old white girl right now unless right. you want to be schooled <laughs> and like that gives me <laughs> so much hope like these kind of like conservative leaning like I just you know I just think they should I'm in favor of the peaceful protests but I don't like the looting like sort of that right. you know um that doesn't fly at the dinner table anymore in the in a way that like I mean we we've talked about this for years now right like where the way we were parented where like what your dad said went like you didn't yes. question right <laughs> they didn't really care about your opinion or your feelings and you didn't care to offer it that right like, is gone but on this topic especially like I'm just hearing from friends who are saying like no and then she like kind of went off on her dad and he listened like and I'm not saying that's happening every time. I'm sure there's times where the dad shuts it down or the mom shuts it down. But I think it's happening a lot. And I don't think it's just happening in like liberal urban bubble settings. I think it's happening a lot. And that gives me hope because, number one, you know, the young people are leading this fight. But number two, I think they're trying and in some cases succeeding at bringing their parents along with them, right? Or their aunt or their grandma or whatever. Um, I mean, my mom, you know, has a book club, I know, which is like a, such a stereotype about white people. There was even, that was like a headline the other day. It was like, black people get killed by police and white people start book clubs. Um, in God, her defense, awful. she started the book club like five years ago, but um, and it's about environmental, they, they meet every week or every month and, and pick a different environmental book to read. But, but now they've shifted their focus to reading books about race. And, um, like she was like, I've, I always, you know, I'm always driving my car around with a sign in the window about the importance of, you know, conservation and open space or, you know, she has different mm. signs that with different wording about the earth basically. And right. she's like, why don't I have a sign in my car that says black lives matter? Of course I need to put a black lives matter sign and put it in my car window. And so like that, you know, again, she was already super liberal. She was already like meeting once a month with women to talk about environmental issues. This isn't like, you know, a wild swing in an opposite direction of where her heart her ideology were is before. but right. I just think yeah I just I do think those transitions are are happening and I think kids are leading them and and I don't and from what I'm hearing this is my one singular viewpoint but from what I'm hearing um, and seeing they're like this is our fight and we're bringing you along with us and like shut up and listen and, um, or, or don't shut up and listen, talk back, but like, we're going to talk about this. And, um, that gives me hope. Yes. And I actually, um, I appreciate you bringing that up because that I do totally agree with you. Um, and you know, I, I live in the suburbs and in my, um, in, in my hard to politically define town here, <laughs> um, there have been two, uh, marches and both of them have been 
far more substantial and passionate than I anticipated they would be. I did not have, if I'm being honest, a lot of hope, but it, and it was led by, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers by and large, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and you did feel in my experience now that I think about in the past, you know, month or so with families on zoom calls, um, kids are bringing these topics up and they're, they're listening, but their point of view is not particularly malleable. And they're what I'm impressed with, with some of my Young white clients is their degree of attempting to understand the black experience and really kind of even calling their parents and sometimes me out on, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't get, you know, you're, you're not, you're not upstream enough to really understand what I'm talking about or what they mean or why there's looting instead of just, you know, kneeling and peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they're, they're working on this and, you know, and when it comes to understanding, you know, Juneteenth and a lot of these things, these kids are working, I'm working with a lot of kids who are trying to, or who are frustrated because they can't get a copy of white fragility and read mm-hmm. it in the summer. Cause my know? mom's book club bought them up. <laughs> <laughs> very right, but, big book club. Right. But you're so right that young people are are trying and they're, and they're leading the charge and the energy isn't out of them. Like when I'm, when I'm talking to young people, this is what they're talking about. You know, this is what's on their mind as much as, you know, like I want to get out and see my friends and, you know, and maybe not wear a mask all the time, but, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely uh, race is on the minds of white kids. And that feels, that feels uh, like optimism and hope to me. I, I totally, I, I totally agree with that. I think so. And I, you know, I have, I'm this, you know, a broken record on this, but I, I think that kids have from a super young age, um, such a like finely tuned sense of what's fair and, you know, of justice. And, you know, it's often like, you know, why does so-and-so get to stay up you know, past nine and I have to go to bed at nine or how come they get a car and I don't or why, you know, his piece of cake is bigger than mine. Give me a new piece. It needs to be the same size. You know, like they are very, they have their (laughs) eyes set on equality, right. In ways that can be sort of petty and frustrating from an adult standpoint. But if you can take that sense of like, Whoa, that's not fair. Hey, fix that. And teach them to train that lens on like the bigger issues of the world um, or even of their block or their school or their community. Like, I think they're, they're primed for that. They want to do that. And, and, you know, my kids, we've talked about this too, are both on their school's debate team. And, and when you get those kids together and talk about issues of like police reform or criminal justice or stop and frisk or any of that stuff, like they ha- they are really thoughtful about it and they want it to be fair. They want it to be fair. They don't necessarily want it to be comfortable for them. Or, um, you know, we we did a little Zoom call with the debate team, the fifth graders, mm-hmm. the week I think after the protests began in Chicago and 
and a lot of the businesses were, you know, hit pretty hard and yeah. boarded up and all that. And the conversation started with like, did you guys feel scared or how did you feel or whatever? And like pretty quickly it was like, can we not like sit here and talk about whether we're scared or not? Like it just didn't, that wasn't <laughs> really the most pressing thing. It was kind of like, how can we fix this for everybody? And like, you know, some of the, some of their solutions were adorable because they're in fifth grade and it was like, we should pick a new person to sit with at lunch every day or whatever. But like it, that's actually a great point. And yep. you know what I'm saying? They weren't so yeah. much like, I just want things to go back to how they were, you know, before all of this, I just want the, my Walgreens to be open. Like that was not coming out of their mouths. They were like, look, like this isn't fair and we need to fix it. And we're kids and what do we do about it? And um, I think that that that's sort of how their little hearts and minds operate. Like, I don't, you know, I don't like it when somebody gets a better deal than I do. I doesn't, I don't actually feel great when I get the better deal than they do, whether I can right. put that into words or not. I know how it feels in my tummy. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think if we as grownups seize on that and be like, look, you know, here's what that looks like when it's allowed to fester and grow into an entire system. And here's why it's on us to fix that. Um, I think that's, I think they're already primed for it. And then it's on us to like, um, you know, Maybe help them do the work to, yeah. Yeah. Support that and create support the structure it. for it. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll double down just a little bit more because I, my clientele has shifted a little bit over the course of the quarantine because there's so many, um, college students and young adults who are um, home from school, um, out of work, furloughed. Uh, and so I'm talking to a lot of people in their late teens and early 20s. And I will say that even their not so little hearts are pretty motivated around this topic um, and and mobilized and kind of like um, eyes wide open and not budging and, you know, mm -hmm. posting every day and thinking about like, you know, with a lot of the young adults, like where to give and to my kind, I'll, I'll admit surprise giving, like actually like, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to give a hundred dollars to this organization. I don't have that much money and I'm partially furloughed, but I'm going to do this. And, mm -hmm. and it, it, part of it's a little jaw dropping just because when I think about, you know, what, what I was, what my friends and I were like, the people I knew when I was in my early twenties, mm -hmm. it, it was kind of this very, very egocentric, self-centered time where it's kind of yep. like, okay, I'm building my life. Right. You know, and, and I don't, I don't need, I'm not responsible for anything else or anybody else. Mm -hmm. I'm just about me. And, um, and that is not at all the impression you get from even young adults now who seem absolutely mobilized. And that's, um, I'm particularly proud, as you might guess, of my son and his girlfriend, George and Lauren, who kind of, you know, really, um, uh, they're, they're so active. It's a little jaw dropping, you know, cause this mm -hmm. is, this is kind of their, um, life these days in a lot of ways. They're living with us, um, uh, for, for another week or so during the quarantine and, um, you know, when they have time, they're talking about like, you know, okay, so what do we do next? What do mm -hmm. you know? Okay. We, what, we went to a thing fine, but that, I don't know what that does tomorrow, you know? So right. what do we do next? Which is, um, 
which is absolutely the right way to to think about this, right? Is to keep right. some some energy behind it. And you know, there's no I don't know, not to be overly sappy or you know optimistic, but there is no better place than for this to come from than the energy of young people who have ideas and know how to navigate their way through social media and, you know, really make something happen and create a fairly sweeping change, maybe in a, in a relatively brief period of time. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it can be hard for us as, you know, middle-aged folk, um, to imagine (laughs) a different way. Like, I just, I don't think we're as creative in our thinking or as free with our imaginations. And we sort of get stuck on like, well, it's always been this way. Like, are you really going to not have police? And I'm not even arguing that we should not have police, but like, you know, you you hear some of the platforms put forth and you just immediately dismiss them as like, I, there's no way that's going to ever happen. So just, I've never seen it it. that way. We're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, young minds are so much better at imagining a whole different way of things. And I also think that like, they haven't lived with it this certain way forever. So like we, you know, I mean, June and I were on the topic of, I have no idea why, um, President Clinton yesterday. And um, I said something about how he wasn't great on gay rights. And she was like, what? Like he was a Democrat. And I was like, you know, it's so funny in the nineties, like you could be anti-gay rights and, and it was okay. Like you would still be elected, you know, like he actually was, he actually signed a bill that, you know, like made it harder for gay people to get married. Right. Um, and that is not even like part of his tarnished legacy. Um, like it doesn't even come close to the Monica Lewinsky stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't even considered all that egregious back then. That's it not was that probably, long ago. I, I don't know if you, I don't know if, if in the nineties and the, and you're right, that's not that long ago. If you were electable, if you were in favor of gay marriage, right. It, I it's it, like doubt the, it. the sweep of changes that fast, right. You know, I, where it's, doubt uh, it. I guess. Right. Obama, when Obama campaigned for the first time, he was not pro gay marriage. He said, you know, he's fine with civil unions, but marriage is between a man and a woman. I mean, people change lightning fast on that. Thank God. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, things that seem unimaginable, you know, in a pretty short period of time become our reality, right? And that's the case with, you know, wearing seatbelts and not drunk driving and anti-smoking campaigns and like all sorts of social change that has happened that seemed, and and I would even argue, um, now I'm all over the place, which surprises no one who's listening, but... <laughs> Um, I'm like counting the way, on. <laughs> great. Um, we've arrived at the part where I veer wildly off course. I would argue <laughs> that we are in some ways becoming a less violent, uh, society by the generation, right? So it didn't used to be all that bad to just beat the shit out of your kids. Um, right. even teachers had paddles in their classrooms and like you, and then maybe you stopped beating them, but you for sure spanked them. Like, what else are you supposed to do? They were bad. You spank them. By the time I was parenting that, I mean, it, it has always seemed appalling to me to hit a kid, but, but I also was no longer 
in the minority on that. Like, right. like most people would be like, oh God, you don't spank. Like, <laughs> please. Um, and when I was growing up, I think that would have been, you would have been like a weird hippie if you didn't spank your kid. Um, and when I was parenting, I think you would have been like kind of a cruel jerk if you did spank your kid. Do you know what I mean? Saying, totally. I think totally. we are moving in all sorts of different ways away from violence and punitive measures that like inflict pain. And so why doesn't that apply to the way we police communities, right? Like why do you, why are you hitting protesters with a baton? Like, you know, like these are questions that on one hand seem like, well, duh, because they, you know, are getting out of hand. And then on the other hand is like, well, let's talk about that then. Like we, we are able to evolve past like just this reflexive inflicting of pain on people and, and violence on people as like, the thing we resort to because they've been bad and they deserve it. And, and so I think, you know, we can imagine like a less violent society and then we can try to put that in place. And, and young people are good at that. They're good at imagining a different way and then working to get us there. Um, I think they're better at it than we are, which isn't to say we foist the work off on them. We just still need to do it, but it does give me, more hope than if, you know, just people like you and I were in charge of this thing. Yep. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm accusing you of being all over the place, but I did start this podcast saying I felt hopeless. And now all of a sudden I feel like, yes, I yeah. absolutely <laughs> see <laughs> I absolutely see that we're on a path to a new and better way. <laughs> yeah. It helps that we've but, been smoking pot this whole time, right? <laughs> well, it does. I and am you know high what? It's as good, a kite. It's good pot. Yeah, no, totally. Right. Right. Absolutely. No, and I actually agree with you on all those counts. And I followed the thread from from Bill Clinton all the way through the idea that we are less violent and we can now envision. I actually did. It actually made some sense. But you know what? I'm super high as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I actually forgot I started at Bill Clinton and ended on spanking. But okay. That's right. dirty. So let's. But, we... <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually sounds linear, unfortunately. Yeah, but... <laughs> unfortunately, it does. Back to what you were saying. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I, I actually do agree with you. And, you know, when you point out those these certain social changes, and things have changed. And things have changed kind of in sometimes jaw dropping ways. Like, you know what? happened with the Supreme Court. I think it's insane that we had to have, again, a Supreme Court issue about, you know, gay rights in the workplace. And yet, you know, that it landed where it did. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, we can change things. Like, you know what I mean? If we put the right people in the right places and we are motivated as a people, we we can change things. And I do think that um, young people are coming up in an age where they their minds are malleable enough and they're and open enough because they and maybe it's just for lack of experience. Maybe there's something um, to be gained from being uh, from not just presuming that the systems that are in place, the way they're in place will remain there mm-hmm. exactly as is. Right. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? so the idea of, you know, um, I'm kind of getting not not a kick out of, but it's interesting to watch people 
try to tease out the phrase defund the police because, mm-hmm. you know, like um, I have been um, now yelled at a couple of times on social media. Mm-hmm. OK, right, Duffy, we won't have any police. Fine. Let's see what happens to your house, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, and then you, you hear, you know, a 16 year old describe what that means. And, and it's like, you know, well, maybe you need people with different sets of skills, you know, uh, helping to maintain order out of chaos and, you know, might might look more like counselors or, you know, uh, uh, social workers or different kinds of, or um, maybe a security force as opposed to somebody, you know, imposing a will on other people, you know, something Mm -hmm. just reframing what, what, what the purpose is just so officers can understand what their jobs are more clearly, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and that, that all comes from younger minds. So, yep. um, yeah, I've, I've changed my mind completely. Thank okay. God for the phone call. <laughs> oh, good. And I, I think we've rambled through our allotted time. Oh, we're way, yeah. way past it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and we've both got gardening to tend to. I think right. I do. <laughs> I'm going to go check if I have a garden. <laughs> Step one. Uh, it our seems like something a furloughed week. person would have, right? Like, well, at least I have my tomatoes to check. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be curious to hear. Maybe that's what we can talk about next time is just our gardening tips because yeah. really – we have some thoughts on that. Right. No, I think because we because then we could talk about canning, too. Like, I think once you <laughs> grow stuff, then you can it. So, yes, that's two episodes right there. Well, we're going to be busy, aren't we? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> OK. In the meantime, I, I think we're done. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're done. Okay, this is people are done with us. I, yeah, people we, people have been done. We're the only ones listening now. For sure. For sure. Us and Michelle Eichard. I think she actually listens to the end. Hi, Michelle. Michelle, hi. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week or the week after. Oh, perfect. All right. Talk Bye, to you Heidi. soon. Bye-bye. Bye.